Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hi, everybody. I am Lindsay Mann, and I'm in Denver. And I am so excited to see everybody. Okay, Lewis, Lewis says he can hear me. <laughs> um, okay, so it is 11 o'clock here, Denver time. And I am, hi, Haley, nice to see you. I'm so excited to see everybody. So um, my friend Nick asked me to come on and talk to you guys about getting more listings in a compressed market today, but I think he's on an airplane to Dallas. So I am not sure what's going on, but I'm just gonna go ahead and kick this off and get us started. And also what's interesting is they set this up for me as a webinar through Zoom and not as a regular Zoom. So I can't see your faces. So teaching on Zoom is really horrible in general, but especially when I'm just staring at myself of talking to myself on the screen. So um, I would love it if you guys would engage with me in the chat and ask questions in the Q&A if you would like to, so we can make this as interactive as possible because I love teaching in person, but on Zoom is not so fun. So, okay, I am going to share my screen here and let me, give me just a second to get that done. Okay, guys, whoops, here we go. I just wanna make sure, hang on one second. I'm sorry about the technology stuff, but uh, oh my gosh, go backwards. All right, so <laughs> um, my name is Lindsay Mann and I am a real estate agent in Denver and I've been an agent here for 19 years. This is my 20th year, which is a little scary. Um, I am ranked in the top one and a half percent of real estate agents nationwide, according to Real Trends last year in 2020. And listings are my passion. My business is about 90 to 95 percent listing based, and I'm about 77 to 80 percent sphere and referral based. So today we're going to talk about how we can take more listings in a compressed market. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but all across the country, we have very, very little inventory and we really, really need more listing inventory pretty badly, guys. I'm putting my little screen here. I don't know if you guys can see that, but that way you guys can ask me questions. Okay, so. This is just some information on myself again, not a toot my horn slide, but just so that you guys know that I am worth listening to. Again, I do a high volume of business in the Denver area and most of my business is listing based. 
Um, how many agents in the room take more than 10 listings a year? I would love if you do that volume of listing business, if you would just take two or three seconds and pop that in the chat so that we know who we're talking to here in the group. We've got one. So we've got a couple in the group that take more than 10 listings a year. And obviously we all want to take more than 10 listings a year, which is kind of the goal of this training. It's getting harder and harder with the compressed market that we're in right now. Okay, we're gonna take it all the way back to the very beginning. Why should I take listings? And some of this might feel rudimentary to start, but what happens when we find ourselves in a market that is as compressed and as scary as what we are in right now is that we need to take just a second to go back to the basics to make sure that we are doing things correctly. Because when we're busy, busy, busy and running very, very fast, things get crazy and the wheels fall off. Listings are highly leveraged business. Uh, to that point, it is much, much easier to carry a high listing inventory than it is to carry a high buyer inventory, especially in a market like this right now. 92% of sellers are represented by a realtor in a listing versus 69% of buyers. This is a NARSAT from 2019. I think this is really important in our market right now as we're seeing the advent of all of these companies like the iBuyer, Zillow moving into the market as a broker. 92% of sellers, so you know, almost about 20% more of sellers are still represented by a realtor versus a lot of buyers that are going directly to builders by themselves or directly to iBuyers by themselves. 74% of sellers will use an agent again versus 91% of buyers. This is also really interesting to me. This statistic means that there's a large portion, again, almost 20% of sellers who were unhappy with the agent that they used in their prior sale. And that means you have an opportunity to swoop in there and earn that business. Leverage for a listing agent is much cheaper than leverage for a buyer's agent. Listing agents have lots of opportunities for leverage in their business, including things like virtual assistance and admin support, which is typically much less expensive than paying somebody per door or paying somebody per sale to help open doors or drive buyers around. We want to start everything that we're talking about right now. We don't want to wait. Statistically, June is the highest month for a top sale across the United States of America. So this is great messaging to hit sellers with right now. We are in April. We have about two months left in our finger quote selling season, which means that it's a great time to target people to sell. This is a big one right now. Listing agents deal with less client fatigue and less expectations in this market. Um, buyers are very, very difficult right now. If you're working them, you know this. This is interesting to me. So we hear a ton of chatter about everyone having to reduce listing commissions in order to take business right now because the competition is so steep. The 21, 2021 statistic in February of this year was that nationally sales commissions on the listing side are still averaging five to 6% nationally. So while there is some discounting happening, it's not really true that you have to discount your commission in order to take a listing right now. Buyers and sellers are emotional, which means that we have a higher opportunity to serve right now. We'll talk about that more as we get into this. 
So again, this is the time right now to sharpen your skills so you don't get left behind. This is a very, very skill-based market, the most skill-based market that we've ever seen in recorded real estate history. And even highly experienced agents are struggling in this market right now. So it's a great time to just pause for a second and go back and sharpen those skills so you don't get left behind. Uh, one of those skills that you need to either tune up or hone more is being prepared for a highly emotional transaction. Every transaction right now is highly emotional, whether it's our sellers, our buyers, or even the other real estate agents that are on the other side of the transaction. You need to be prepared to handle the emotion that's out there right now. 77% of sellers interview only one agent. This means that right now, with as fast as things are moving, we need to be ready to win that listing the initial time that we speak to the client and not even by the time that we get to the table in their house. You need to be ready to take that listing the first time that you talk to a client because most likely, as we see in this statistic, they're not going to interview other agents right now. Um, you need to get your technology presentation on lock right now. So there's been a huge change of perceived value in agents and what we do due to COVID. T sellers right now are very highly interested more than they've ever been before in the technology that we can utilize to sell their homes and the technology that we can use to minimize the amount of traffic that they're having coming through their houses. So if you are going into a listing presentation and you're competing against me and I'm going in and talking to a COVID sensitive seller about the technology that I can utilize to maybe find them a buyer faster or find them a buyer without having to do a bazillion showings, you may lose that listing to me if you're not prepared to talk about virtual buying and selling in this market right now. This is a big one for me. Um, you need to know the rules right now. So this is, I think, a really interesting point, but it's really important. Market compression is equaling agents swiping at each other. And this has become really intense. So in Colorado, our real estate commission says that they're up 90% in agent to agent complaints since January, 2021. And to me, that says that because the market is compressing and if you didn't see it, the, uh, I think it was New York Times put out a, a article that said there are actually less homes for sale than there are licensed real estate agents in the United States right now. Agents are getting angry at each other and they're making complaints about everything because they're angry that someone else is taking business and they're not. So I would highly suggest that you take a minute before you start to take listings and go back to your rules in your state on clear cooperation, which is coming soon policies, what you're writing in your broker remarks. Guys, I would be very careful. I'm sure you guys have all seen this out there with your buyers, writing things like we won't even look at FHA or VA. We won't even take an offer if you don't guarantee appraisal gap. Um, you need to make sure that you're not overlapping showings if that's a thing in your market for COVID. So just you want to CYA right now because it is dangerous out there right now. If you're a listing agent, buyer's agents are coming for you with complaints. You need to know how to price right now. So this is um, you know, a very different market than we've ever seen before. It isn't going to work right now to go back a year in your market and look for comps. I do have a whole class I teach on pricing. So if you have any questions about that in detail, I'm happy to send you some information on that. But 
you don't want to be pricing low and you don't want to be pricing overly high right now. You need to be careful with the way that you're pricing. This is a letter that an agent in my market actually received from an appraiser and he was hit with both an ethics complaint to our board and a real estate commission complaint because the appraiser felt that the agent had priced so low on purpose in order to generate that frenzy that he was unethical to his own clients by significantly underpricing their property and he was also causing duress to buyers by having to write offers hundreds of thousands of dollars over list price. So you just want to be careful with how you're pricing right now. We've all been taught that a long time. Price under value on purpose in order to solicit multiple offers. That might not be their best strategy right now, depending on where you are. Know how to support and argue an appraisal even though listings are king. So this is a big hot button for me. Um, last month, I spent two straight days arguing an appraiser on value when I had the seller and my seller had full appraisal gap coverage, but the buyer's appraisal came in low by $40,000 and his agent's response was, well, I mean, I guess he put in the contract that he would pay the $40,000, so he's going to pay the $40,000. My seller would have been totally fine, no issue there, but I didn't feel that it was right for the buyer to have to kick in that full appraisal gap coverage. So I spent two straight days arguing that appraisal and we got it back up to our sales price. And I had zero contact with that buyer, but I received an email from him. He must've gone online and found my email address. And he said, if I ever have future business to refer or do myself, I will absolutely be using you as my agent because my agent didn't even fight for me. So whether you're on the buyer side or the listing side, you need to be ready to know how to support and argue an appraisal right now so that you can differentiate yourself between the rest of the agents out there. Don't cut corners, even though things move quickly. Um, I have always said that when you list a property, the marketing that you do for that property is not to sell that specific property, it's to gain more listings. So even though things are moving very quickly and it feels like we can cut money and time by cutting corners on our listings, we do not want to be doing that right now because that will make us look lazy in the future to future clients that are looking at us for their listings. Have a plan for where your sellers are going. Um, I think that this is the biggest single objection to listings right now, whether or not people are saying this to you. So I'm not saying that you need to be prepared, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the very first time that you talk to them with an exact plan on where you're going to take them or where they're going to go, but you need to have some type of objection handler for this ready in your mind so that you can manage their emotions through their expectations and their education. People aren't listing because they're afraid of where they're going to go. And even if they're not saying this to you on the phone when they're calling you, I guarantee you that this is their biggest objection for listing right now. Learn how to nail down motivation as hard as possible, pain versus pleasure. Um, this is the other thing that we need to be really careful with right now. In past years, most of the motivation for selling, about 90%, was always the equity in our homes. This is the strangest market we've ever seen because everyone is 
crazy equity rich, but they still don't want to sell because they're afraid of where they're going to go. So if you're getting on the phone with clients and simply talking to them about the fact that their equity is super, super high, that may not be their motivation right now. You need to dig a little bit deeper on what their motivation really is. This came from NAR this year. So uh, pre-COVID, the number one re reason for moving and selling a home in the United States was to be closer to friends and family. Post-COVID, so the market that we're in right now, NAR is saying the number one reason people are selling is because their house is too small or it doesn't fit their needs anymore. A lot of people are homeschooling, homeworking, and all of that. Listings are a number game. Consistency is key. So um, buyers, and I hate this phrase, but it's used a lot, so I'm just going to say it, have always been considered lower hanging fruit. If you needed a client today, it would be easier to find a buyer than it would be to find a listing. Listings are time on task over time. So you can't quit. You have to stay with this and do it consistently in order to build a big listing business. First, we're gonna talk about your database. So everything that I'm talking about today are real live ways that I would use to go out and find a listing today. So these aren't so much geared for long-term listing business. This is for kicking off a listing business right now today. Your sphere of influence, SOI, is the highest producing return on investment you will ever find. You will spend less money marketing to your sphere than you will to any other type of buyer or seller out there. This stat's crazy to me. So 67% of all buyers and sellers can't remember who their agent was. In a relationship that is super intimate that you work with people on for six months to a year, 67% of those clients cannot even remember who their agent was. That tells you that 67% of the agent population does a terrible job with their sphere and needs to step this up. The top 10% of all earners in the real estate business actively use a CRM. This is a huge debate. Um, I don't care if you use an Excel spreadsheet, a yellow pad, Facebook as your CRM, or you're using something fancy and shiny like a Boomtown or a Commissions Inc., you need to have a way to filter your sphere so that you can actively market to them. Divide your database now to mine for listings. So I would try to do this this week or weekend if I were you. What we're going to talk about is being very purposeful with how we look at our sphere specifically for listing business. This is how I divide my sphere when I'm specifically looking for listing business. So I would consider a C, someone who I've worked with, but I'm not actively connected with at this time, a B, someone who I've worked with who has never given me a referral, and A, someone who has actively sent me a referral. Um, so what we're going to do is we want to treat our A's in some way because we know that that's the population inside of our sphere that is most likely to send us business today. Treating your A's, and again, I teach a whole class on this, so if anyone wants my slides with like the extensive details on how we treat the people in our sphere, I'm happy to send them, but treating your A clients could be anything from sending them 
something for a holiday, taking them to coffee, sending them a gift certificate to go to dinner now that restaurants are open. This doesn't have to be expensive, but you need to essentially thank your A clients that are sending you referrals to encourage them to send you more. Then you want to specifically focus on getting into closer relationships with your Bs. So those are people you've worked with, but you haven't received referrals from them. I would suggest there that you start to follow them on social media and interact with them frequently. And if you're comfortable calling or texting or Facebook messaging, I would do that as well. Um, by the way, so 20 years in this business this year, and I have never made a for sale by owner or expired call in my life. So everything that I'm talking about today is uh, not geared towards cold calling because some of us don't love that. Then we want to go and pick it up with our C's and apologize to them. So again, the C's are people that we've worked with, but we don't stay in contact with. We all have C's. It's super embarrassing and we shouldn't, but they're probably in our database. So honestly, what I would say to a C on a text message or a Facebook message is, hey, Sally, it's been a really long time since I've talked to you and I completely dropped the ball in not following up with you more often and keeping touch with your family, but I was thinking about you and I wanted to see how you guys are doing. So when you're going back to your C business, in my opinion, it's better to just be authentic and honest and let them know that you're a jerk who hasn't reached out to them or talked to them in a very long time. We want to add to our database daily and then continue segmenting it and continue bringing value to the people in the database. Right now, because of what's happened in, in COVID and in the world, um, you know, the world has just been through trauma on a level that most of us had never been through before altogether. And it was very connecting. And that means that your touches right now need to be very, very soft and not salesy. Authenticity is something that became very, very important through this COVID mess. And people do not like in, inauthentic salespeople right now. So um, be soft, don't sell. I call this girlfriends at lunch. So you would never ever in your life sit down at the lunch table with somebody who you know well or would like to know better. And the first thing out of your mouth would be, do you know anyone that would like to buy, sell or invest in real estate? That would never happen. You're gonna sit down at the table, ask them about their family and what's going on in their lives, tell them about what's going on in yours and then earn the right through real conversation to talk about referrals. So don't do that online. It's gross and it's especially heightened right now because of what we've all just been through. Um, one of my favorite things to give to my sphere is HomeBot. This is really inexpensive, and I think it's probably the biggest value that we can bring to a potential seller in our market right now. HomeBot's a really slick and fancy tool for just $25 a month that sends your clients a really cool snapshot with a bunch of graphs and information on what their equity is doing and what their property value is doing. So um, unless people are living under a rock, they're hearing this messaging on the news all the time that their house is worth a lot of money. They don't know what it's worth. HomeBot helps them to see that. And I think that can bridge a lot of conversations for you right now. Um, perfection is the enemy of execution. You need to execute now. So I, I talk to so many agents who say, well, I can't start working in my sphere or my database until my database is perfect and everybody's organized and I 
know everybody's birthdays and I have everybody's dogs' names and their anniversary dates. Perfection is the total enemy of execution. You need to just jump in and start doing it and remember to just work on it daily by adding more people and continuing to segment it and bringing value to people. Um, filter your target audience on social media and specifically target homeowners. So this is a big one right now. Likely, unless you're paying very close attention to what you're doing, your messaging that goes out to the world is just a generalization of the fact that you are a real estate agent. If you want to find seller leads now, you need to be targeting your messaging to homeowners because who can sell a home? Someone who already owns a home. So you just need to tailor your messaging probably to stop talking about buyers or not as much. Stop showing pictures of homes on Facebook, which I know is very counterintuitive, it feels like, and start doing things like talking more about equity, things that homeowners can be doing to get ready for spring, to get ready for a sale. Your messaging needs to target sellers if you want to reach sellers. And you can also go into your social media accounts and spend a day going through all of your clients and making a group of who are homeowners so that you can specifically target those people that you know that would be able to sell a property with your messaging. We're going to talk about circle prospecting. So what is circle prospecting? Circle prospecting is taking a very small area. This is different than farming. Farming is a strategy. Farming is a strategy that's long-term. Farming takes typically 18 to 24 months to engage in a community before you start seeing results. We don't want to wait 18 to 24 months. We need listings right now. So circle prospecting is micro farming. It's targeting a very small area with a very specific and powerful message. In order to circle prospect correctly, your strategy needs to include a barrage of different types of contacts. So that should include mailers, whether that's postcards like just listed, just sold under contract appraised or the golden letter, which is a letter saying that you have clients actively looking in the area. It should include calls, texts, social media messages, door knocking, and even open houses. When you're circle prospecting, it's very, very, very powerful and it works very, very quickly because you are omnipresent. You're everywhere. Mailers should specifically, again, have messaging targeted towards future sellers. So those messages would be things like just listed, just under contract, appraised, sold for X amount of dollars. This messaging is different than it would be for building a long-term farm. This messaging is to engage sellers right now and that messaging should be short, concise, and powerful. It does not need to be glossy or sexy. It needs to be aimed right at their motivation and right in their face. If you don't have a listing resume, so if you don't have listings that you've sold that you can circle prospect around, your office, your brokerage owns the listings that every agent in their office takes. So you can circle prospect around listings that other colleagues of yours in your community and area have sold. Again, um, telling the story because this is a highly emotional market. We want to say things like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, two doors down from you, moved because 
they needed a home office because Mr. Smith is working from home. They moved to Castle Rock and they made $150,000. Your marketing needs to be short and concise, addressing their motivation and their emotions right now. You're hunting. So this is a different type of marketing. You're hunting for listings now. So you need to be able to move on from a no that you receive to somebody just quickly to the next. This is a numbers game and we're trying to reach a lot of people. Um, we need to do what we call a one-two touch or if you're a boxer, a one-two punch. You can't just mail something and expect people to call you. Again, if that's the type of farming that you're doing, that's going to take 18 to 24 months to engage. If you want to engage listings now, you have to one, two, touch everybody, which means mail and another combination of repeated touches. So calling them, getting them on, on social media, knocking on their door, you need to touch them repeatedly. I always laugh when I say that. I can't see any of you, so hopefully some of you are laughing. Um, circle prospect every single listing that you have for more listings. So you need to double, triple, quadruple down on any listing that you take in this market right now in order to obtain more listings by circle prospecting or doing this micro, micro farming. So in my opinion, the second that you sign a listing, you need to start hammering that neighborhood very quickly right away to obtain more listings in there. Um, you know, this is a short and a long game. This works very well to solicit listings quickly, but as a strategy in general, it works very, very well if you continue doing this. So you, you just can't give up. Um, listings are a different type of work and you have to be consistent and you have to stick with it. My very favorite script in the entire world for circle prospecting is the I have a buyer for you script. So this would work like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I just sold the house at 1234 Charlie Road. I had 17 offers and I could only pick one, which means 16 other buyers are interested most likely in your property. If you've thought about selling, please give me a call or shoot me a text message. It's an extremely powerful script. Okay, open houses that bring listings. Um, you need to check obviously your rules right now because of COVID in your market. But in my opinion, open houses are rarely for buyers and that's why they fail. Um, agents are always taught to go and hold open houses in order to find buyers. And then when the neighbors two doors down come in, they hand them a MLS sheet really quick and don't even speak to them and they go back to hunting for buyers. In my career, I almost never get a buyer from an open house, but I will consistently get sellers. And that started to happen as soon as I realized this and started changing my mindset around what open houses can be for. We've all heard stories about, I saw 27 open houses this weekend and I didn't get a single buyer. It might be because you need to pivot your strategy to thinking about open houses that bring listings. You need to invite and inform the neighborhood so you need some way to reach out to them in advance to let them know that the open house is coming and to invite them into the property. A lot of agents will do a special preview where they might open an hour before just for community members. Not necessary, but kind of cool because it gives you a way to target those sellers even more. Um, um, an agent in my market does this and I really love this idea. 
she goes around to the houses like five on either side and five across the street from where she's open housing and she drops them a note card with a Starbucks gift card and she just says, hi, my name's Angela. I'm selling your neighbor's house this weekend. I'm going to produce a ridiculously busy open house and you're going to see a ton of traffic. Please take your family to Starbucks on Saturday during one o'clock to three o'clock while I'm hosting it so that you're not driven crazy by the traffic. It's just another really cool way to meet the community. Follow up after open houses. This really should be common sense, but it's really not. And remember you're following up for sellers, not for buyers. So this doesn't mean calling every buyer that walked in the door and asking them what they thought. This means going back around to the sellers in the area and letting them know how your open house went, that you received X amount of offers, that you sold X amount of dollars over list price, whatever that success story is. Make sure your marketing materials display your ability and impress your sellers. Again, this is huge, you guys. So most agents, the materials that they bring to an open house are meant for soliciting buyers. Most agents, when they put in a listing on the market in general, are thinking about soliciting buyers. Your marketing that you're doing on a listing is the most watched advertisement you will ever have for future sellers. Everything that you're doing for an open house or marketing your listing is, is your resume to everyone else in the community. If you're not doing a good job with this, no one's ever going to call you to list a property. You need to have buyer material at your open house. You also need to have seller material at your open house. So when a neighbor walks in, it would be great to have something like a CMA for the community or a breakdown on what's happening with values in the community to hand to sellers. Um, leveraging technology for COVID sellers. We did some virtual open houses this year on Facebook that were unbelievably attended. Like almost a hundred times more people came to these virtual Facebook live open houses that we did versus anyone that would ever come into a real life open house. And that's probably because they could do it from their couch on a Saturday morning. Again, having sellers in the community seeing that you can utilize that technology, especially if they're very COVID sensitive, is huge for attracting sellers. Again, we're gonna talk about following the rules because sellers are watching. Your open house is an advertisement for the community. So if on Saturday you have an open house in my neighborhood, you're not allowed to have multiple groups in to a listing at one time. If I open the doors on Saturday and I have 562 people in my house at the same exact time, every neighbor in that community will be talking about what I'm doing and they will tell all the other neighbors that I'm not following the rules and no one will ever hire me again. So your sellers are watching in general. Um, an interesting fact is that the reason that Colorado was shut down in April of last year and the reason that we couldn't do in-person showings at all was because the Real Estate Commission received 1,500 complaints between a Friday evening and a Monday morning about agents that weren't following the open house rules. This isn't just to attract buyers. If you ever want a seller, a chance at a seller in that community, you need to watch what you're doing. Again, have value for sellers present. So um, you could print a home bot for the house that you're open housing. 
that would give them an idea of what their equity might look like with a call to action on it to go and sign up for a HomeBot themselves. You could have a sign-up sheet for free CMAs and make sure to bring those stories about offers and activity that's coming on in the market. Again, base all conversations on motivation and not just price. This is really important right now. There are so many people out there that have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equity, but they won't sell because that's not their motivating factor. So if you're in person in an open house, be listening to those people about what their true motivation is for selling because it might not, not just be money. Um, ask your neighbors. This is one of my favorite things. So this is like a reverse referral. So every single seller or homeowner in the community, renter or homeowner that comes into your open house, you should also be saying, it was so nice meeting you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I totally understand that you love that house and you plan to die there and you will never, ever, ever move as long as you live. However, I still have three active buyers that are looking do you know if any of your neighbors are thinking about selling? Here's my business card. If you even catch wind that they are, please call me. All right, how are we doing guys? Is everyone awake? I hope so. It's the weirdest thing, I can't see you. So someone tell me in the chat box how we're doing. If I'm going too fast, let me know and I can slow down. Oh, Michael's alive, thank you, Michael. Okay, we're gonna go to um, orphan buyers and off-market programs to find listings. This one always can get a little bit interesting because agents have very strong opinions about this. So let's table those for a second and we can talk about them <laughs> as we get through this, but just know this is a little strange for some people. So what is an orphan buyer? If we go back to my prior slide and we remember that 67% in 2020, according to NAR, of buyers and sellers cannot even remember their agent's name, that would mean that 67% of all buyers and sellers, in my opinion, are now, finger quotes, orphan buyers. They were left by their real estate agent. Their real estate agent sold them a property and ditched them and left them on their butt and now they're fair game for marketing. So orphan buyers are these people who um, aren't being represented or kept in contact well by their prior agent. So in order to solicit buyers and sellers from this, I've been really successful with this. I've been working on this three hours a week and I've pulled two listings out of it in the last two months, just FYI. So this really does work, I swear. Um, you want to go through your list of prior sales. So this would be listings that I've sold and I know my, my market's turnover ratio. So I know that my market on average, people sell homes between five to seven years. So I'm going back to all of my sales from five to seven years ago. And I am reaching out to the buyers who bought my listings to give them messaging on the fact that their equity has increased and they may be able to upgrade their home to fit their needs. And I'm targeting the heck out of them. Again, if you don't have a listing business of your own, you can certainly use your brokerages sales, but you want to go back through any listings that have been sold in the period of time that listings typically turn over in your market and go after those buyers and try to turn them into sellers. Hopefully that makes sense. Great messaging for this is your equity has increased by X. Again, I would try to also make that messaging pretty emotional right now. 
your equity has increased by X. That could mean you could upgrade. That could mean you could buy more land if you want to get away from the urban city center. That could mean you could buy that home office. I would try to combine money with emotion right now because that money plus emotion is the true motivation for anyone to sell. We just talked about this. Remember the 67% of clients don't remember who their agent was. That is mind blowing to me, you guys. That's so absolutely bizarrely crazy to me. That means 67% of all these clients are never followed up with by their agent. Now we're gonna talk about what an off-market program is. Um, I've been working this one also, and this has also been very, very, it, it's been working really well for me. So it takes a little bit more time, but it's been working really well. So um, with this, you, you need to start kind of micro unless you have a team or someone that can help you with these calls and these messages, but you want to identify a target neighborhood one at a time, execute really strongly and then move on to the next target neighborhood because it's really easy to pull too many listings at once and, and dilute your ability to message these people. Same thing here, we're gonna search all the sold homes in the last X amount of years. So whatever that turnover rate is. So in my market, again, I'm gonna search, all, let's say I'm picking the Meadows. That's a neighborhood in Castle Rock close to where I live. I'm going to look in the meadows. I know that homes on average turn over every five to seven years, and I'm going to pull every sold house in the meadows in the last five to seven years. And then I'm going to contact all of those buyers with that same message. Your equity has increased by X. When I'm talking about getting at the emotion and the heart of the motivation of moving right now, what I'm talking about is what that money can buy them because it doesn't matter if I can net them $200,000 if they can't visualize where they're going next because they're so afraid of this messaging that there's no houses to buy. So you really want to come up with something that can nail, I can net you $100,000 and that will buy you that home gym that you want since you canceled your gym membership, whatever that is. Um, so these are two different strategies. They sound really similar, but orphan buyers are going back through your own past sales or your brokerages past sales to try to engage those buyers that purchased your listings into now selling. And then or off market program is going back to an entire community, not just necessarily homes that you sold and doing the same thing. Again, I know that I've said this statistic like 27 times, but 67% of agents don't stay in, in touch with their clients past one year. That means that they don't know about their equity, you guys. So nobody is informing all of these people about what's happening in the market. They're probably seeing it on the news, but this statistic says to me that they're not hearing it from their own prior agent. They've been completely orphaned and abandoned by their agent and you have a tremendous opportunity to sneak in there and earn that business. Send value repeatedly. Um, again, so this is a little bit controversial, like I said. Um, listen, if I'm doing my job as an agent, whether it's on the listing side or a buyer side, and you try to contact my clients, my clients are not orphan clients. So my clients are not going to cheat on me no matter 
what you send them because I've been sending them value the whole time. But if I was one of the 67% of agents that doesn't stay in touch with my sphere or my past clients, I'd be in trouble. So with these clients, it's a little bit like trying, you know, if you're a guy and you're trying to go after a girl who has like a not so serious boyfriend, you need to send value repeatedly. You've got to show up and prove to them why they should ditch that agent that isn't doing anything for them instead of just calling them back to help them sell their house. And again, we're going to go with the ask your neighbors that reverse referral script. So, you know, when you're talking to these people, just pure example, this happened to me this morning, I was calling through that neighborhood uh, that I wanted to off market in and I called someone who had just purchased four and a half years ago and I gave them the script about their equity being high and she said, I don't really feel like moving. I think this is our forever home. And I used this reverse referral script and I said, I get that. I would live there forever too. You bought a great house in a great community, but do you know if any of your neighbors are thinking about buying or selling? I'm going to text you my contact information. And if you even catch wind of this, I would love to help you find new amazing neighbors. Whoop. Hang on. I'm too hot on the trigger. Okay. Um, now we're just going to go after a couple other quick ways and ideas on how to get listings here. If you need a listing now, you have to get aggressive with it. So um, I want to, I don't know if anyone who's listening knows who Cody Gibson is, but I, he's a huge agent based out of Portland. And I once saw him stand up on a stage at a big, huge event for a, a brokerage and say, you know, I want answers out of the audience. If you had to get a listing today, or, you know, there was a gun to your head and you had to get a listing today, what would you do? Um, and there were some pretty wild answers that came out of the audience, but the idea behind that is if you are hungry, if you are in trouble, which this market is compressing all of us, and it is not shameful to admit that we are all struggling right now. If you are dying on the vine working buyers, if it's hurting you to continue writing 57 offers to get one accepted, if you can't listen to your buyers cry anymore about losing properties, you have to commit to getting aggressive with taking listings because that's the only way that this changes for you. One of the things that I've been working on is nailing down the migratory patterns that are happening in my community and then hammering those agents that work there for agent referrals. So with this, you can search articles. There's even maps um, of moving traffic patterns that are out there online that will show you like I know that 62% of all sales in Colorado the last 90 days have come from California or New York City. So what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm going out there and I'm looking for the top agents that are in California and in New York City that are sending people to Colorado. And I'm doing everything that I can to make relationships with them. I'm like a level five stalker. I'm sending them value. When they have someone who's moving to Colorado, because they are, I want them to send them to me. You can also look and do it reverse. You can look and see where people from your state are moving to. So in this case, Colorado is sending a ton of people to Arkansas and Idaho. I'm looking to make relationships with agents in those cities as well, because if buyers are calling an agent in Idaho to purchase a property there and then have to sell a property in Colorado before they leave, I want that agent in Idaho to refer me. Investor owners, 
Um, this is a big segment of the market that we can go after right now. We can go after all of the non-owner occupied listings that are out there. Your title company can pull a list for you for free on that. Um, that will tell you all of the addresses in whatever area range you want to look at that are owned by investors and you can go after them right now. So a huge pain point, pain point equals motivation, might be the COVID eviction moratorium. So um, we have a moratorium in place right now where you can't evict a tenant, even if they're not paying rent. However, there may be sellers out there who do have tenants that are paying rent that have leases that are coming up and you can hit them with this messaging about, don't put another tenant in your property right now. We could have this eviction moratorium forever and you could get in big, big trouble as a landlord. Landlords also should know that their property values are high right now and they need to know that messaging. Investors are cheaters, by the way, guys. So this is like a super great way to pick up selling clients because lots of times they have portfolios or multiple properties that they need to offload, um, but they never stick with the last agent that bought or sold a property for them. They're cheaters. These guys for sure will go to whoever shows up and has the sexiest presentation. So this is a great segment of the market to go after. Another thing, and you need to be careful with this because politics has no place in real estate, but another reason that I am heavily hitting investor owners right now is that our new administration, not to be political, um, is talking about significantly increasing the cost of capital gains tax and completely doing away with 1031, which is where you can exchange the equity from one property as an investment to another investment property without paying taxes on it. This hasn't been hugely public knowledge. It's not out there on the news all that much. I would do some research on this and definitely consider hitting anyone who has either an investment property or even a vacation home, just because if we do away with that 1031 exchange, our investors in this country will lose billions. And that's good messaging for them to know. Um, downsizing and empty nesters. This is another very big segment to go after right now. COVID's caused a lot of seniors to completely reevaluate their life motivation and their living situations. So downside, you know, this was uh, the baby boomers. We were talking about this years ago already. The fact that they're one of the biggest buying and selling populations right now because they're in larger homes than they need and they're getting to the age where they're hard to take care of. That was already an important segment of the market to be targeting. And now that COVID has really shaken up that elderly population, that's probably a great place to go to talk to people about selling. Um, notice of default, that's what an NOD or an NED is. Um, this is almost like a reverse short sale. So this would be going after anybody who, and again, your title company can pull a list for you for this for free. This would be going after anybody who is currently defaulted on their mortgage. We know that the United States, the rest of the world has been heavily, heavily affected by COVID. But in this date and time, unlike when we went through the recession and we would go after these sellers, this messaging is way more exciting because Back then, they would be short-sailing and losing everything that they had 
right now these people can get out of a short sale and get out of foreclosure and get out of forbearance and probably still make money. So if they're in forbearance or they've had a notice of elect demand filed on their property, that means that there's going to be a foreclosure sale. You know, there's an, a huge nobody in, in the country right now should be letting a property go to a short sale or foreclosure because they're equity positive. So that's big, helpful messaging there as well. Um, instant offers. This is kind of a play. I really like this one. This is, oh, hang on. I clicked too fast. Um, this is kind of a play on that golden letter script or that I have a buyer script. This is super, super aggressive. So this would be calling, running Facebook ads, door knocking, um, messaging on social media. Would you like an offer on your home? So essentially what you're doing here is you're calling somebody and saying, hey, if I brought you an offer on your house today, would you take it? What would it have to be in order for you to take that offer? Or I think that I could sell your house for $560,000. If I brought you a $560,000 offer today, would you take that offer? You can do this two ways. This works really well with that micro farming circle prospecting thing because you just sold a neighboring property and you know what their property is most likely work. And you know that you've got essentially a whole book of buyers that you can go back to to bring those offers in because they just lost out on the listing that you had for sale. You can also reverse prospect your own buyers. So this is a fabulous opportunity if it's legal in your state for you to do some double-ended deals because you can ask seller if they would take an offer at $560,000 knowing that that's what the property is worth and then line them up with a buyer who's in your database who's willing and ready and able to pay that $560,000. Um, FISBOs are not my favorite. Like I said, I have, I've never made an expired or a FISBO call in my entire career, but I know many, many agents that are super uber successful with calling FISBOs. Um, Zillow took away Make Me Move, which was a place where a seller could go to raise their hand and say, I would sell my property for X amount of dollars. And they transitioned this to Zillow for sale by owners. They've increased like 30% on the number of for sale by owners that they have on that site since they changed it from Make Me Move, which is very interesting. But if you are this type of agent, if you need to get aggressive and you need a listing, that's a great place to go to find for sale by owners potentially. Infiltrate local community Facebook groups and watch for listing type conversations. Um, so this would be going on all of your like Facebook buy sell trade groups. So like here in my town in Parker, we've got Parker, Colorado, buy, sell, trade, and we've got all these local community groups. I would take a few minutes and write down a keyword list of keywords that come up when people are thinking about selling. Some of those keywords might be like painter, plumber, roofer, remodeler, um, you know, people who are offloading furniture. Those are people that are usually paring down things to get ready to sell and spend some time in your local community Facebook groups with your list of keywords and start watching for people that look like they're interested 
in selling in the near future and reach out to them on Facebook or be a stalker and find their contact information and go after them. I do this a lot. Um, change your messaging. What is our value right now, you guys? Um, I've been talking a lot about this with friends of mine who are agents. This has been the biggest shift that we've seen, at least since the recession, and in my opinion, probably in the entire history of real estate as agents. Our value to the clients has changed overnight. Any agent can stick a sign in a yard right now, and if they even get reasonably close to what the price should be, they will sell the house. They probably will get multiple offers. And any seller can go online and list as FISBO on Zillow or anywhere else and most likely sell their house with multiple offers, possibly too. So our, our value proposition to clients has really changed. It may or may not be in your market right now that your value proposition is higher offers or your marketing. For 20 years, my value proposition has always been I'm aggressive and I will sell your house more than any other agent will in town. And I market heavier than any other agent will in town, but we don't need a lot of marketing right now. And anybody can produce multiple offers right now. So that just might not be the right messaging right now. I'm starting to talk to clients and the public right now a lot more about different things like protecting yourself in multiple offer scenarios or how to choose from 27 offers and which is the best one or how to make sure that you don't fall out at inspection or how to make sure that you don't fall out at as appraisal. It is my opinion that agents have been perceived as salespeople for a very, very long time because we have ourselves articulated our value to the public as being salespeople because all we do is sell houses, but that isn't all we do. We are fiduciaries. We carry a whole set of duties to our clients. And I think that if you change your messaging right now to articulate that, you will see more response because it will differentiate you from the rest of the pool of realtors who are just saying, I'm going to get you a higher price and I'm going to get you multiple offers. Everyone is going to do that right now. Okay. We're going to talk real quick about justifying your commission. Um, I hate seeing agents reduce and I don't like hearing that Agents aren't wanting to take listings right now because they feel like it's not worth it because they're going to have to take a lower commission. So we're just going to go over some ways real quick to combat this. Again, this is the most skill-based market we have ever seen in real estate. You don't want to undersell the skill level that it requires right now, and you really don't want to make it look easy. You want... I've always said that a good realtor is like a sponge. They absorb all the crap that comes down the line in the transaction before it gets to the client. In this market right now, you might want to absorb a little less. Now, I'm absolutely not saying that your clients should feel panic or stress. It's your job to keep that away from them, but they may need to feel more of the level of skill that it is taking you to get their deals accepted and to get their properties through closing. At this point in time, we make it look too easy and that's why they feel we have no value. Success messaging is a really fabulous thing to be pushing out there right now. You can do this on your mailers, you can do this on social media. Success messaging is, it's not just sold, everyone does that. It's really telling the story of the success that you just had. 
my poor buyer wrote 57 offers and we finally got one accepted and she's so excited to be done and to live in this community. That's a great success message. Um, and you can combine these with one, two touches like we talked about, so mailers and social media. Um, you should know the statistics on agent sales versus non-agent sales. So if you're talking to someone who is thinking about FISBOing or going on the market themselves, you need to know what the statistics are on how much more people in your community make by selling with a realtor than they do by not selling with a realtor. And you need to know the statistics on your competition so that you compete. So every single agent, now we never bash agents. We don't bash our fellow agents. We are cooperating brokers. We work together, but you should know the statistics on your competition. If you're going up against me in a listing presentation, you should know what my weakness is and where you succeed over me so that you're able to compete. Again, right now, this is a very story-based emotional market and world that we're living in. So you need to highly press reviews and, and testimonials. You need to be taking a review or a testimonial from every single client that you work with. On my listings, my title company takes my testimonials at the closing table so that we never miss one. They do it for me. And on my buyers, we send that out usually when we go under contract because that's the happiest time in the whole transaction but you need to be sharing those a lot. If you can get video testimonials, even better. People need to feel that you can be successful for them right now. It's not enough anymore to just show them the statistics. They're so freaked out by what's happening in the market and so freaked out that we're gonna make them homeless with nowhere to go, that they need to feel what's happening with your success right now. And you can do that through testimonials and reviews. Every single one of us need to have a strong written and digital listing presentation and we need to practice them like crazy. So um, written would be material that you take to the house and leave with the clients. Like I can't even tell you how many times I've received a reviewer, a testimonial online from a selling client who said she was the only agent who showed up at my property with anything in her hands for me. She was the only agent who showed up with comps for me to review. She was the only agent who brought me information on her and her marketing plan. So you need something to bring with you to leave at the house for the clients to go through. And then you need a digital copy of that listing presentation as well, in case you have very tech savvy clients and you've got to practice it like crazy. You need to know it in your sleep. Know the top five objections for your commission and how to handle it. This is a really big deal. If you don't know this, ask other top listing agents in the community what they're hearing right now. These objections change all the time, but sit down and think for five minutes or talk to somebody for five minutes about what those top five objections are for why you're worth 3%, 4%, 2%, whatever it is that you charge and know how to handle those before they come up. It's really not fun to get surprised by it at the table and go, because uh, I want 3%. You've got to know how to answer those questions. Highly press the struggles and legal ramifications of not having a strong agent. This is a pain message. Um, we know that pain message versus pleasure message is always more effective, but again, the feeling is what we need to get across to people right now you need to be talking in your messaging, both in person and online about 
what's happening in the market that is causing sellers problems because in their mind they're just going to put their house out there on the internet for sale by owner they're going to save three percent on our commission and they're going to have zero problems because anyone can sell a house right now you need to be talking to them about other struggles and legal ramifications besides just getting an offer always present a net sheet this is the flip side this is your pleasure message so again i can't believe how many um, times i've won a listing because i was the only one that showed the client what they would actually be making you need to either bring a net sheet with you to your listing presentation or you should have a computer a phone an ipad something at the table that you can work up a listing net sheet on with them there at the table um, so you're pushing the pain message on this is why you need an agent because it's not just getting you an offer and this is why you need me because I'm going to make you X amount of dollars. Go deeper and attack and address objections and emotions up front to avoid objections to your commission. So um, again, you know, it isn't just money right now for people. You need to really have your listening ears on from the second that you talk to them on the phone to the second that they're touring you around their property and they accidentally slip that their home office isn't big enough. You need to really have your listening ears and your feelers on to be able to find out what that motivation is so that you can really go deeper and control that. An objection is a, is a fear essentially. So if you're sitting at the table with a client and you can't see the fact that their fear is that they're going to have nowhere to go, that becomes an objection to working with you. And if another agent comes in and they can attack that fear of where they're going to go and they can handle that objection, then they are going to win that listing. So you just need to really be going deeper and listening very carefully. And then listen, guys, discount if you must in very specific situations. Um, we're in the crunch right now. We're in the squeeze. And it's, it's really tough. Like, I just really hope that everyone hears that even very experienced agents are struggling right now. It's not just newer agents or agents that haven't taken listings before. It's rough out there, you guys. Um, NAR says that 59% in 2020 of all real estate commissions were discounted at least a little bit. They don't share how much, but you need to survive the squish and you need to be very discerning about when you choose to discount your services. However, I just want to be open and honest about the fact that I do feel like there are times, you know, um, if you're building a farm neighborhood or if you're new to listings or if you need a listing right now and you need to be aggressive, I think that there's a lot of commenting out there from the agent community about the fact that discounting if you need to makes you a bad agent. It's not true, guys. We've got to get through this squish. So do everything that you can from the second that you talk to a client to justify your commission and then be very discretionary in discounting a little bit if you need to. That's really all I've got. I would love to open it up to some Q&As if we have any. And then um, I, I wanted to let you guys know that I host a podcast with three other top producing real estate agents in Colorado. Um, it's called Homegirls CO, like Colorado. And 
We talk about all of this stuff all the time. We talk about winning buyer offers. We talk about an insane amount of educational stuff. And we drop a new episode every Monday. So um, if you'd like to follow any of us on social media, it's Homegirl CO. And I would highly encourage you to listen to our podcast because we're going over a lot of this there. Does anyone have any questions that they would like to put up in the chat? Okay, so and okay, so we've got thank you for taking the time to share all your knowledge with us. You mentioned that you would share communication on comp value and market appreciation. Would you be able to share that with me? And if you have any script samples that you might be able to share, I would truly appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. I will save your email address and I can actually I can have Nick send that to everybody if everyone wants to have it, but um to answer the question, pricing right now is just really, it's all over the place. So you need to be really watching like a tight range on, on where you're pricing. Um, I am pricing. So what I'm doing when I put a listing on the market right now is I'm looking at comparable properties in the last 30 days only and how much above market they've sold. So like, let's say I'm listing in my neighborhood today and I'm putting a property on the market and I can see over the last 30 days that they've all gone for 5% over list price. I'm pricing, I'm splitting that and pricing halfway above where the comp says. So in that situation, I'd be pricing at the highest comp plus two and a half percent because all of the properties are going 5% over market value. I don't want to go out on market 5% over market value because I'm still afraid because we all have PTSD from not getting listings priced correctly and having them sit on the market. So I'm still scared. I don't want to go 5% over because even though I know it will sell there, it makes me a little bit nervous. And I don't want my clients to think I'm the only agent on the planet that didn't get the multiple offers, even though my list price might've been way higher to begin with. So I'm just pricing a little bit above what I think the high comp is, if that helps answer the question. Um, okay, what do you say to the objection when a seller concern is being homeless with nowhere to go? So, the, I mean, that's the really, really hard one right now, guys. So um, the first thing that I would do there is get the client set up on a search alert so that they can get the seller set up on a search alert so that they can look at real life properties that are on the market so that they can see that there are properties on the market there. I would talk with them about being reverse contingent, which would mean that they put their house on the market, but the contract that they accept is based upon them having X amount of days to go out there and find a new property. And then I would be very honest and I would address the big ugly elephant in the room. I would address the fact that it could be possible while not ideal and not the goal that multiple moves could have to happen. I would talk to them about what it might look like to take some of their equity to move into a short-term rental for a short amount of time. They're thinking it anyways. So if we're not having the conversation with them, we're not addressing their concerns. And then I would also talk to them about rent back. So hopefully you guys can do that in your market, but you know, a, a big solution would be to have your sellers receive a rent back from their buyer, which allows them to stay in their property 
once closing has occurred so they can go out and look for a new one. Um, I'm just reading through here. Chris is asking, why did you originally decide to end up pursuing listing business more than buyer business? <laughs> That's a really good question, Chris. So um, during the crash, I was an REO agent. So I listed for all the, the big banks, Fannie, Freddie, HUD, all the big servicing companies. And um, buyers were brutal. It was a totally different kind of brutal, but you know, houses on average in my market would sit six to nine months. And I could show my client, like I think my, my highest that I ever did was 49, 49 houses. I showed one client because there was no urgency. Every house on the market would sit there forever and they could look at every single house on the planet until they found one that they liked. And it was horrible. You made no money as a buyer's agent. So um, I think it was just a lot of hearing that same comment over again, which is if you guys have never heard it, it's listings leads leverage, which means that the person who carries the listings has the leads and has the leverage on the market and against their other agents. And it just clicked in my head that I was exhausted from running around buyers and I needed to take more listings. And I know that you guys are probably way more exhausted than I ever was. So I hope that you guys all decide to go after listings. Um, Patty says she would like to gather an invaluable what's your worth script. Do you by chance have a few off the top of your head? So I think Patty's asking um, how she can explain to her clients right now what we as real estate agents are worth, like what our value is outside of just netting them a billion dollars on their property because anyone else can do that. Um, Patty, yes. So I have a podcast episode I can send you on that. And then I can also send you some written information on that too. So I will get that to Nick and um, everything that everyone else asked for as well. Does anyone else have any other questions? That was really fun, you guys. Thanks for having me. Anyone? Oh, thanks, Jennifer Rose. I love you. Thank you guys. I hope that you go out there and take some listings. Follow me on Facebook if you haven't already. And um, I would love to chat with you. I have slides in detail on most of this stuff because I teach like deeper dives. Um, today, we kind of went skydiving and not scuba diving. If you want to go deep and scuba dive on some of this stuff, shoot me a friend request and a message and I can send that to you. Um, Alex, I don't have a private coaching program for new agents, but my podcast crew and I do coach new agents. So I would love to connect with you. Will you do me a favor and send me a Facebook friend request? Because, um, yeah, I mean, I've coached new agents for 15 years and so have the rest of my podcast crew. So we would love to chat with you guys more. Krista McKissick. Krista, are you, are you related to the McKissicks that are like the profit share king and queen just out of curiosity or different McKissicks I just saw your name all right you guys um I am very grateful that you let me spend this time with you reach out if you have any questions and I hope that you guys it's Thursday take today and tomorrow and take a break and then this weekend start to put together some ideas to go out there and attack listings have a good day bye we hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. 
Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlco.